The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Well, hey, listen, we've reached the end of Romans. Uh, Next week, we're going to begin a a summer series in the book of Proverbs, actually the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. But for 51 sermons now, spread across 21 weeks, there are some breaks in there, we've been taking uh, a long soak in what is arguably explained as um, the greatest letter ever written. Uh, John Calvin, the 16th century reformer, said of Romans that if we have gained a true understanding of this epistle, we have an open door to all the most profound treasures of Scripture. And perhaps some doors have been opened to you in our journey along the way um, through the book of Romans. That's been one of my prayers um, for us as a congregation Martin Luther, another of the key leaders of the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, said this of the book of Romans. He said, this epistle is the chief part of the New Testament and the very purest gospel, which indeed deserves that a Christian should not only know it word for word by heart, (laughs) but deal with it daily as with the daily bread of the soul. For it can never be read or considered too much or too well, and the more it is handled, the more delightful it becomes and the better it tastes. Church, one of my prayers for us as a, as a church as we've spent all this time in here is that Romans would become tasty to you. Or tastier. Right? Romans, we said all the way back at the beginning, is it's all about the gospel and the glory of God. And so it's fitting as Paul closed out this magnificent letter to, to close here with the doxology. And what we're going to see as we look closely at this doxology is that, number one, God strengthens us by his gospel. Number two, to live out the obedience of faith. And then thirdly, which displays the glory of God. So God strengthens us by the gospel to live out the obedience of faith, which displays the glory of God. Let's break that down. First, God strengthens us by the gospel. We see this right away in verse 25. Paul begins by saying, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. By my gospel, Paul simply means the gospel that was entrusted to him. There isn't any other gospel, right? In fact, Paul tells the Galatians, if anybody comes to you and preaches a different gospel, different than the one that I preached to you, let them be accursed, he says. There's one gospel. Paul says to him, to God, God is able to strengthen you according to or by this gospel. And then the rest of verses 25 through 26 unpack some details about this gospel. Details that he has elaborated on throughout the letter and summarizes here at the end. He says this gospel consists of the preaching of Jesus Christ. And so we know that Jesus is the very core and center of the gospel, the good news. The gospel is therefore about proclaiming all that Jesus is and all that Jesus has done. His eternal existence. His incarnation. His perfect life. His perfect death. His burial, his resurrection, his appearances after the resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father, his sending of the Holy Spirit, his rule and his reign over everything, and his eventual return. The gospel also involves the revelation of mystery. 
It was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, Paul says. He's referring here to the fact that this gospel, it's not new. The the Old Testament scriptures contained it in a hidden way and pointed forward to it in a prophetic way. But now the mystery has been revealed. The mystery, of course, has to do with God's saving love for all people. Not just the Jewish Old Testament people, but the extension of his mercy through the spread of this gospel to everyone, everywhere, including you and me, when we trust in Christ. When, when Paul says in verse 26, through, <clears throat> through the prophetic writings that this gospel has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God, <clears throat> when he says that, he's saying that the time has now come. Now is the time that the eternal God has decreed that this gospel will be revealed and shared with all nations. Remember Paul's writing to the Romans. He's writing to the Romans about all of this in part because he wants to get to Spain. He wants to take the gospel to Spain, to the ends of the earth. And he's saying here that the Jewish Old Testament prophetic writings that contained and pointed forward to the Christ for salvation to all who would call on him, are, they're no longer strictly the property of the Old Testament Jewish people. They're the property of all. These Old Testament prophetic writings are. This, this is part of why we as 21st century Gentile Christians have them in our Christian scriptures. But think about what Paul is saying here, right? He is saying the eternally existent God, the the creator of everyone, everything, has given the command, Paul says, that the time has come for the mystery to be revealed, for the gospel to be disclosed through the prophetic writings. Making known, as people like Paul explained Christ from these Old Testament scriptures, that that Jesus came to rescue anyone and everyone who would trust in him. This is the gospel, friends. This is the gospel. This is what so much of Romans has been about, the gospel of Jesus. And Paul's not ashamed of it. Why? Because it's the power of God for salvation to anyone, to everyone who believes. Not just God's Old Testament Jewish people, literally anyone can get in on it. What Paul uniquely says now about this gospel here in verse 25 is that the gospel that saves you is the same gospel that strengthens you. The gospel that saves you is the same gospel that strengthens you. The the word translated able here in our text is, is a form of the same word translated power. Back in Romans 1.16, where Paul declares that the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And so we see at the beginning of the letter that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And now, here at the end, we see that the gospel is the power of God for strengthening us. The gospel that saves you is the same gospel that strengthens you. And everyone in this room needs to hear that. If you're here and you're you're not a Christian yet, right? If you're just here to kick the tires on Christianity, maybe take it for a little test drive, right? Uh, Something that you need to know is that becoming a Christian isn't just about obtaining like this this get out of hell free card, 
right? Now, it includes that in a sense. Like, when, when we trust in Jesus, our sins are forgiven, right? We are put in right standing with the Lord. He, Jesus died in our place for our sins. We're promised this eternal life with him. It's all kind of wiped away, right? And that's great. But also, becoming a Christian means there's help not just at the end, but all the way to it, too. The gospel that saves you is the same gospel that strengthens you. And every Christian here needs that. Every Christian here needs that. <laughs> are you weak? Because of course you are, right? We all are. None of us here are perfect. None of us are perfected. We are all radically insufficient and needy. And in case you're wondering, that's actually one of our core values around here. Right? We believe this so deeply that it's one of our core values that we live dependently. We are all needy. We are in need of Jesus in an ongoing, day-by-day, moment-by-moment sort of way. And so if you're here and you're feeling overwhelmed, overburdened, like stressed out and not sure how you're going to get through the next however long it is, God is able to strengthen you by the gospel. If you're in the midst of a, a season of suffering, or if suffering, this season that you're in, maybe just looks like it's the new way of life until you die, and you're not sure you can make it on your own. Listen, you can't make it on your own, and you were never intended to. God is able to strengthen you by the gospel. He, he's able to fortify your faith and, and, and make you strong in your trust and your confidence in him. I, 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 listened, I heard John Piper one time describe this this way. He, he said that the kind of strength that Paul's talking about here at the end of Romans 16, it's the, the kind of strength that will be there when you're paralyzed and can only answer questions with your eyelids. If you're here this morning and you feel unloved, uncared for, overlooked, God is able to strengthen you by the gospel. If you're engulfed by the futility of life and struggling with a sense of hopelessness, God is able to strengthen you by the gospel. If you're stricken, actually, with your own sinfulness and discouraged by your lack of progress, haunted by all your past mistakes, if past abuse and neglect kind of follows you around like this dark shadow, if you're tired of life and aren't actually sure that it makes sense for you to continue to live... God is able to strengthen you by the gospel. You say, well, how does that work? Well, we preach it to ourselves. That's how it works. Preach to yourself that while you were still weak, while you were still sinful, while you were still unlovable, God loved you. And, and listen, it's not, when I say that, it's not this. It's not God loved you. Well, at least God did. No, the God of the universe did. 
the creator of everyone, the creator of everything. God loved you. He sees you. He hears you. He knows everything about you. And he sent Jesus, his son, for you. That's actually how special you are to him. And through Jesus, through trusting in Jesus, Christ's righteousness is actually, the theological word is imputed to you. Like you're actually counted righteous before our perfect heavenly Father. Granted right standing, pleasant, happy standing before the Father in heaven. Like you're fully forgiven, fully justified. All the wrath that you deserve because of your sin has been propitiated. Dealt with. Quenched. You've been adopted into his family. Into the fullness of the Father's love. Fully loved. Fully accepted by the good Father in heaven. You've been united together with Christ in his death. United together with Christ in his resurrection. Everything that he has is yours. And it's always going to be. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You've been given new life. He sent the Holy Spirit to live in you, to comfort you, to guide you, to help you in your weakness, to even intercede for you when you don't know how to pray. The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that awaits you. He's working all things together for your good. He's not punishing you. There's no condemnation for you now, and there's never going to be. Like, I know you're weak, but you're also in Christ more than a conqueror. Nothing, nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing ever can. Nothing ever will. Not even death. You've been promised eternal glory and eternal inheritance worth far more than the riches of this earth. Nothing in this world compares to it. He delights in you. He is pleased in you. He wants you. He looks upon you as his daughter or son, and because of what Christ has done, not because of what you have done, he says, well done. Well done. You've been given purpose. You've been given meaning. You have been, think about this, you have been commissioned. You ever want to be an artist and be commissioned for something? God, our great eternal artist in heaven, has commissioned you to do the work that he desires to have done. It's incredible. You work for Jesus now. You're significant. You got gifts. You belong. You are unconditionally loved. And let that soak into your soul, my friends. Let it soak into your soul and fill the cracks and the crevices that are in there, drenching all those dry spots. The gospel strengthens us, church. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And it's the power of God for strengthening to everyone who believes. So God strengthens us by the gospel. And then point number two now, he strengthens us by the gospel to live out the obedience of faith. This is at the end of verse 26. Look at it in your copy of the scripture. It's the gospel goal of our strengthening to bring about the obedience of faith. And 
That's pretty important, right? That's pretty, you and I were not just strengthened um, so that we feel better about our difficult life circumstances and can make it to the end. All right? It, it, the gospel is not a mere therapeutic. No, we're strengthened by the gospel to live out the obedience of faith. If we rewind all the way back to, to Romans chapter 1, actually we'll see Paul set this forth as a part of his purpose for writing the letter to the Romans to begin with. But there's actually all kinds of parallels between the opening of the letter and the, and the closing of it. But look at Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It starts out, Paul, servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures. Sounds like chapter 16, doesn't it? Concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 5, through whom we, Paul and the apostles write, he says, we've received grace and apostleship. Why? To bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Do you see it there in verse 5? Romans 1, verse 5, Paul's writing in part to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of Christ's name among all the nations. And then now in Romans 16, we're told that God is able to strengthen us with the gospel to do just that, to live out the obedience of faith. And so God makes us strong by the gospel. He makes us strong in our faith so that we'll live obedient lives. Or as another has put it, the gospel is the means to obedience because it is the means to faith. And obedience comes from faith. And so faith comes by hearing. We, we learned about that in Romans chapter 10, right? We hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit regenerates our hearts. Faith is produced in us. It comes by hearing. Hearing the gospel. It's in this gospel, right, that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. That's what he said in Romans 1.17. So the gospel is the means to faith, and obedience comes from that faith. The only way that we're able to truly live obediently is by faith. Obedience, we should say, is the fruit of true faith. Like we're, we're not walking around trying real hard to be obedient in order to generate faith and, and, and merit God's favor and work in our lives. No, it works the exact opposite. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. God sought us and bought us by the blood of Jesus while we were still weak, while we were still sinful. Christ died for us. And we hear this gospel good news and our hearts are awakened by it. We respond with faith that comes from being reborn. And now, as those who have been reborn, we continue to need Jesus and the gospel moment by moment for strengthening our faith in order to live out the obedience of faith. Again, this is the gospel goal of our strengthening, that we would live Christ-like lives. Not perfect lives. And we know that from Romans 7. Each of us is still sinful. The war wages on. Indwelling sin is still here and in us. No one here is perfect. We're simultaneously sinful 
and simultaneously justified. And yet, we are not simultaneously stagnant. For those that are Christians, we have a new orientation. New orientation to our thoughts, a new orientation to our affections and our behaviors, and that shows forth in our lives. Real faith changes us. And if our faith in Christ has not changed us, we should question whether or not we have real faith. That change, the strength for that change, the strength for living lives of obedience comes to us by the gospel. Here's what all that means practically for you. When you're seeking to live obediently to God and temptation comes your way to to sin or to sloth, you know, to to pride or to perform, Uh, when you really want to do something that God forbids (laughs) or you really don't want to do something that he commands, when you really don't feel like loving your neighbor as yourself, right? Um, to use the Romans 12 language, when, when your love is not genuine, when you fail to abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good, when you don't love one another with brotherly affection or seek to outdo one another when showing honor, when you don't want to serve the Lord, when you find it really hard to rejoice in hope, and be patient in tribulation and constant in prayer. When your selfishness prevents you from contributing to the needs of the saints and seeking to show hospitality. When you'd rather curse those who persecute you instead of bless them. <laughs> right? When you're annoyed with rejoicing with those who rejoice and you're exhausted by weeping with those who weep. When you're not at harmony with one another and instead grow haughty, wise in your own eyes. When you'd really, really like to avenge yourself and be overcome by evil instead of overcoming evil with good. The key is not some kind of religious form of white-knuckling your way through it. The key is the gospel. The gospel that reminds you you're weak. You are weak. You're completely insufficient. Left to yourself, your own sinful flesh will do exactly what it wants to do. Right? You need help. That's kind of the point. It's kind of the point. You need God and the gospel, and you never stop needing God and the gospel. You need the God who is able to strengthen you by the gospel to live out the obedience of faith. And you need it every day, every moment. So what does that look like? You know, yeah, but how? Okay, well, I can tell you what it looked like in my life this past week, <laughs> all right? This past week, I was in a, I was in a mood for a little bit, um, and, uh, you know, usually when I'm there, the best way I know how to describe it is I, I'm just off. I just feel off. I'm not real good with verbally articulating my emotions. I can do it great in a notebook, right, with, with, with that, but I can't, you know, it's just, I'm off. Spiritual funk, 
little bit of depression, something like that, you know. Um, I've been there before, and plenty of you have too. Monday wasn't terrible, okay? We had a late meeting Monday night. I went home for whatever reason. Late Monday night, just kind of like settled in like a dark cloud, you know. And woke up Tuesday, you know, off. Um, Throughout the day, got worse. By Tuesday night, I was a grumpy pants, you know. And continued into Wednesday morning. And I'm, I'm, I'm fighting it. But if you've ever had this fight before, you know this weird feeling that your flesh is sort of like, hey, man, like, let's hang out and dwell here for a little bit, you know? And the Spirit's like, no, dude, like, we got to get out of here, you know? And so there's like this internal tug that's, that's kind of going on inside of me. So I got alone with God for a bit late Wednesday morning and started praying. And just praying over things that I, there were some frustrations going on in me. Sometimes, some of it just with myself. You ever feel frustrated with yourself? I do. Started praying to God about these frustrations. I was sad about some stuff. There's some sadness that's going on. Annoyed by some other things. Be real honest with you. Just annoyed. All right? And just presenting myself honestly before the Lord. Just taking it there. I felt insufficient in some areas. Told God about that too. And you know what he reminded me? You know what he told me? <laughs> he said, you are insufficient. <laughs> You know, not in a, you know, gosh, I suck, God, yeah, you do, Todd, kind of way, right? But in a, my power is made perfect in your weakness kind of way. And I spent some time in this text already in Romans 16 in the week, and so I started praying, strengthen me according to your gospel, Lord. Strengthen me according to the gospel. It says it right here, it's supposed to work. So I'm going to pray that you would do that. It says you're able. So would you do that? And started praying through aspects of the gospel, asking God to fill my soul with, with different truths about the gospel and praising him. You know, I didn't feel like just praising him for the fact that these things are true, even when I have a hard time believing that they're true. That I'm his child, that I'm forgiven, that there's no condemnation. That I'm loved, I'm seen, I'm known, I'm wanted, I'm appreciated. And dwelt by his spirit, counted righteous before him. That this world isn't my home. But he's, he's gone. Christ has gone and made a place for me. And one day, all that weighs upon me will be removed. I'll live forever with him. That's good news. That's good news. It'll strengthen you. Strengthen me, O oh Lord, according to the gospel. To live out the obedience of faith. Like, I, I don't just need more warm fuzzies. I wasn't praying, Lord, give me warm fuzzies to get me through the day. I'm praying, Lord, strengthen me by your gospel to live, to live out the obedience of faith. Make my faith strong, lift the burdens, lift the clouds of darkness, fill me with new hope so that I won't be a grumpy pants to those around me, but instead a source of your light and your truth so that you can show forth your goodness to others. Give me genuine love, abhorring evil, loving others with brotherly affection, fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope when everything seems futile and meaningless, and on and on. And he did it. He did it. He strengthened me by the gospel to live out the obedience of faith. Not perfectly. Not forevermore without struggle. Wouldn't that be nice? 
No, but for some moments, some days, as I continue to come to him the same way, God's not this fill-up station, like I need him on an ongoing way, not just when I run low, all the time. But he did it, all of which displays the glory of God. Because he's the one that did it. This is what we were made for, church. To glorify God. And something deep inside of you knows this. That you were created to glorify the Lord. And so when you're frustrated at your weakness or your lack of progress, or you despair over your despair, would you, reminded that God's, would you be reminded that God's power is actually made perfect in your weakness? That God strengthens you by the gospel to live out the obedience of faith which displays His glory. This is normative for the Christian life. You never stop needing Jesus. You never stop needing the gospel. The gospel isn't just the way in to the Christian life. It's the way on. As the recently late Tim Keller taught us. <laughs> and because you never stop needing it, you never stop glorifying God as you're strengthened by it. He really does deserve and receive all the glory. <laughs> and this is actually the point of Romans 16. This last paragraph here, this is the point. Remember I said the whole paragraph is a, a doxology. Right? That word doxology, it means a word that ascribes glory to God. A, a word that ascribes wonder, praise, delight. That to, to glorify God, remember, is, is like Clark Griswold getting the lights finally turned on and saying, everybody come out and look, it's amazing. That's what it means to glorify God. Everybody look, God's amazing. And doxology expresses this. It expresses glory, delight, praise to God. Now to him, to God, he says. To him who is able to strengthen you according to the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. To bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what Paul says. And Notice, really carefully, I want you to see this. Notice, this passage is not an exhortation. You notice that? Paul is not saying here at the end of Romans, hey, listen up. Be strengthened. Go strengthen yourself. Be, he's not saying, be strengthened by the gospel so that you'll live a more obedient life and give glory to God. Look, that's true. I think that's true, but it's not the purpose of this concluding paragraph. What Paul is saying as he closes his letter to the Romans is, praise God, he's able to do this. Praise him. Not only is he able, remember he's powerful. He has the power to do it. He will do it. Paul assures his readers, he assures, he assures you that God will give you the strength that you need to persevere to the end. 
He will complete the good work in you that he's begun. And the durability promised here is based on and comes through the very same gospel that has saved you. In other words, your being strengthened is as sure as your salvation. He will do it. And he does it all for his glory. And he therefore deserves all glory. See, when you, when you finish reading the greatest letter ever written, when, when you close the book of Romans, you're not left primarily with something to do other than give glory to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this incredible letter that you have seen fit to include as a part of your holy scripture to us. Here we have an open door to all the most profound treasures of scripture. It is so tasty. And as we finish out this 51 sermon soak in it, we glorify you. We praise you. We we delight in you and your salvation, your, your strengthening power in our lives. And we pray, God, would you continue to strengthen us by your gospel by the preaching of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus, so that we would live out the obedience of faith and thereby bring you glory. And Lord, as as you do this, as you do this in our lives, would we also go and tell? Would we go and tell others about your gospel and your glory that you have seen fit to show us? through this letter? Would others around us come to know you in the same saving way, the same goodness of this gospel? And would you bring about the obedience of faith in them too for the sake of Jesus' name among all the nations and neighborhoods? We pray all this in the glorious name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.